Hey guys, we got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about why paying more for a house and having a lower interest rate may be better than paying less for a house and having a higher interest rate. We're going to talk about foreclosure and how it's going to affect the market next year and see exactly kind of break down the numbers and see how that is really going to affect us or if it's not. And we're also going to talk about the election, uh, not politically, but how going into an election year, regardless of Republican or Democrat, that's kind of irrelevant, but going into election year, how it's going to affect things and how it has historically affected things since 1963. Very interesting things to talk about today. Guys, stick around, stand by. You're not going to want to miss what we got going on today. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to the show this week. Looking forward to talking about the market this week. Excuse me. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a long morning already. Well, my, I think my second or third pot of coffee. Um, you know, a lot of discussion has gone on about how the, the people think that they're getting priced out of the market because home values are going up. You know, so year over year from last year to this year, home prices nationwide have increased about five and a half percent. So everybody's like, well, you know, that kind of eats into our buying power. You know, but, and there's a lot of things that really kind of go into effect that. So one of the things we want to talk about today is the price of the house and interest rate and and what all goes into this whole scenario. So if we look right now, I mean, right now we're at a pretty all-time low in inventory. We have 39 fewer homes for sale today than this time last year. So that is, and it very creates up this demand, this pent-up demand for homes. New pending sales are up 25% compared to the same time or same week last year. Um, the highest year over increase in Zillow's database, I think, ever in their history. So it's, uh, so we have fewer homes, way more demand. And we've talked about this on here before. And of course, when you have a, a shortage of homes and, and demand and, you know, that drives that increase in price, which is, not a bad thing if you're a homeowner, but can be kind of a scary thing if you're out of the market trying to buy a house, feeling like you're going to get priced out of the house. But there are a couple of things that go into this that we really need to kind of consider. Um, right now, I think Freddie Mac announced that the average interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate was 2.87%. Uh, now, that's insane to be getting a, a home mortgage under 3%. It's just crazy, which is good uh, when you're buying a house. Now you take that, you know, and look at it from last year and last year, you know, the average Freddie Mac was the, talking about the average interest rate was 3.73%. So this year, 2.8, you can get a interest rates around 2.8 average and last year, 3.7. So what does that really mean in terms of buying power and how that affects what we can buy? Well, let's look at Let's say last year you were going to buy a house and the house was $250,000. No problem. You're going to get that 3.73% interest rate, right? So you take 250000 at 3.7%. Now take that same house, add a 5.5% to it. And I think that's like $263,750. And we apply a 2.8% uh, interest rate to that. So here's kind of how that plays down. So the difference in your monthly payment, 
So if you bought the house last year, 250000 3.73%, your principal and interest, now that doesn't count your taxes and your insurance, your principal and interest payment would be $1,155 a month, right? So today, we buy that same house, we add that 5.5% to it, gives us a mortgage amount of 263750 and we apply today's interest rate of 2.875. Now your monthly mortgage payment, principal and interest, is only $1,094. So even though you're paying more for the house, because of the interest rate, over the long term, you're going to save $61 a month. That adds up to about $732 a year, enough to pay your car insurance, right? And about $21,000 over the life of the loan. So when we talk about um, the cost of a home uh, and we talk about there's things that are more important than the price, uh, and everybody goes, no, the price is the most important thing. On a short-term loan, sure, but on a long-term loan like this, uh, not so much. So, so the deal is this. Even though home values have really appreciated and homes are more expensive right now, still a good time to buy because the mortgage rates are historically low. So if you're going to take advantage of that, you know, honestly, right now is the time to do it. Um, what else do we talk about today? You know, there's there's some other things that we have to worry about in our market. Um, one of those is, and a lot of people keep talking about this, there are a lot of houses right now that are in uh, forbearance. And what I mean by forbearance is that they are possibly going to be foreclosed on and they've gone to the bank and they said, hey, look, um, we're worried about COVID right now. Uh, we may be losing our job. Uh, we would like a forbearance. And, you know, <clears throat> they don't make them make any payments for five months and they tack those five months onto the onto the last part of the loan. Um, when COVID-19 first came down, I think everybody was under the assumption that the economy was going to come to this screeching halt. Nobody was going to be able to make their payments. Nobody was going to be um, it'll be able to keep up with their mortgage. They're going to lose their cars. They're going to lose their jobs. But the truth is people are starting to go back to work um, and they're not really needing to do these, these uh, foreclosures. So a lot of people, uh, the forbearance uh, is going away actually. And a lot of people are, are making their payments again. So they're not all the people that were in forbearance. I think like 4.9 million people had requested and been granted a forbearance. And, you know, you get to thinking about it and go, oh my God, there's going to be so many foreclosures on the market that it's going to flood the market. You know, we, we're we overpaying for a house right now. It's like we talked about a while ago. We think we're overpaying at five and a half percent increase year over year. And then all of a sudden there's going to be this glut of foreclosures come on the market and it's going to ruin our home sales prices and one thing or another. So I, I was hearing that. So I said, well, let me really just kind of take a look and see what you know, we're really talking about here. So here's, here's what I found out. I found out that the number of people requesting forbearance is leveled off. And when I mean leveled off, it's actually decreased. So if we go back to May, 4.7 million people were requesting a forbearance. And then in June, um, 4.7, 4.7, mid-June, 4.6, next week in June, 4.6. And then you just this is going week by week, 4.6, 4.5. And then all of a sudden, it drops, 4.1, 4.1, 4.1, 4.1. So, you know, what is happening here is people, as the economy is starting to come back, people are going back to work. We're kind of getting used to that new norm with COVID. People are realizing, okay, wait a minute. I don't really need this forbearance. It's not really something that's that's good for me right now. So let me, you know, pull that back. So I wanted to know, okay, so what's really 
kind of causing that. So of the 4.2 million families, 4.2 million families that were granted a forbearance, basically, hey, we, we know you could or may be having problems making your payments, so we're going to not make you make any payments for you know five to six months and add that on the loan or whatever that forbearance looks like, reduced payment or whatever it is. We know that 4.2 million people were granted that. Now, as the forbearances came due, and as a you know, we're talking about back July. Uh, this is these are all numbers as of July 24th. I can only think that they're getting better now. But forbearances were extended. Other 4.2 million forbearances were extended for 2.5 million people. So there's 2.5 million people, almost cut in half. Well, little little more, little less than half of the people that even request or that that were given a forbearance almost cut in half of the 4.2 million um, 1.2 million of them were removed from forbearance while performing which means they never missed a payment they were still performing on their loan realized they no longer need it so you take that 1.2 take them out of the equation and then there was 205,000 that expired while delinquent that means so they were in forbearance, the forbearance expired, and they were still delinquent on the house, couldn't make their payments. So those possibly are going to, we're going to see those probably in the foreclosure market uh, as they come up probably in the spring or, or first or second quarter next year, 2021. Now, of those 4.2 million, 182,000 actually paid off their home. So I found that that statistic very interesting that 102, uh, 182,000 people during this for that had requested a forbearance actually were able to go ahead and pay off their home for whatever reason. And, you know, some of those are because they sold it or whatever the case may be that mortgage got paid off. Um, so a lot of different things that fall into that, but that made me wonder, you know, why do all of these people requested it but then wound up not needing it. So I did a little research on that. And what it turns out is that John Burns Consulting has done done a a study on this. And one of the studies is uh, 42% of homes in America are owned free and clear. That was kind of shocking news to me because, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have their houses paid off. I know some, uh, but I think this is going to include investment properties and everything else. So, you know, 42% of homes are owned free and clear. So that's a good thing, right? Now they're not tied to a mortgage, so no issue. Now, now of the remaining 58%, the average homeowner in America right now has $177,000 in equity. Now this stems, I don't, I know it wasn't this high. I didn't do the research, but I know it wasn't this high in 2009. 2009, we were having really, you know, things were were not great, um, <laughs> to be quite frankly. But um, a lot of foreclosures during that time frame, over a half a million, I think, um, in a quarter. So it's crazy. Uh, so having rebounded a, a lot from that over the last, what, uh, 10, 11 years, uh, people have, the market's come back, uh, equity has increased. You know, you got that five and a half percent increase last year and we've had smaller increases throughout the year. So I think that's where those equity numbers are coming from. And so that's keeping, uh, many homeowners afloat and giving them more options to actually avoid a foreclosure, which, you know, is a really good thing. Um, you know, you, you just, never want to see a massive amount of foreclosures. So when we get into talking about these things, is is it going to crush everything? 
And I don't think it is because when we talk about actually, it's a much smaller number um, than you would think. Because if you go back to 1999, the third quarter, right, there was about 136,000 foreclosures, new foreclosures, 1999, third quarter. 2009, we're going to compare that 10 years later, okay, uh, there were 566,000 foreclosures in the second quarter of 2009. That's insane, right? Now, let's look at the first quarter of 2020, 75,000 foreclosures first quarter. Now, historically, I think we have an average of about 150,000 foreclosures per quarter nationwide. So even if, even if the foreclosures doubled in the second, third, or fourth quarter, even if they doubled, we would still be at a national norm for foreclosed properties on the market. Nowhere near what we were looking at in 2009, second quarter, we had, we were having five, you know, half a million properties per quarter. Um, that was a problem. So I, I think we're in really good shape. I don't think we have too much to be concerned or worried about when it comes to the market coming back around and foreclosures hitting the market and, and destroying things. So I think that is really important. So equity is going to keep, keep these many, many of these families afloat. Uh, interest rates um, and foreclosures doubles um, still not going to affect us or hurt us too bad. So I think that's an important you know thing to think about and kind of a determining factor. All right. Last thing I want to talk about today, because I mean, we're it's literally right around the corner is the election. So everybody wants to know how will the presidential election impact real estate? And I, I, there's a lot that goes into this. Um, I would love to be able to sit here and tell you I have a magic ball and I know, but I really don't. Um, I think 2020 is going to be remembered as one of the most challenging times. Uh, there's just been a lot going on worldwide pandemic, uh, recession causing historic unemployment. And I think that has a lot to do with the pandemic. Uh, so much social unrest. Uh, we have social media that is just out of control. Uh, watched a show on TV on Netflix. I suggest everybody watch it called The Social Dilemma. And it is really amazing what that movie shows and how that social media is able to impact uh, how a large group of people are thinking. And I, I don't think it's uh, you know malicious or or uh, anything that is made with ill intent. But social media is designed to make money, and the way they make money is keeping you on the phone as long as they can, so that their their advertisers will pay them more money for your time, which is great. Except they've written these algorithms that continue to give you information that you want to see because how long you've stayed on something else and it tracks all of that. So what happens is, is it winds up putting you in this perfect echo chamber where it just continually feeds your current thought and doesn't give you outside views on anything else. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. It's irrelevant. It keeps everybody in these, these echo chambers, which creates this larger divide between um, the, the parties in this country. So it's a, um, very, very interesting thing um, to think about. So it, typically in an election year, uh, <clears throat> there's a report out there um, by uh, One House, Two House, Red House, Blue House, uh, and they have looked at this from 1963 to 2019 every election year. And here's what they kind of found, that in non-presidential years, there is a about a 10% decrease in November 
compared to October. Now, that is just a normal seasonal market uh, slowdown in activity. We all know that uh, real estate is the hottest in the summertime um, between, you know, uh, Memorial Labor Day kind of thing. So, so that's just normally you're going to see about a 10% decrease uh, in election years or non-election years. It's, again, seasonal kind of thing. However, in presidential election years, there was a typical drop of about 15%. Now, I think this indicates that home buyers become more cautious in the face of national election uncertainty. This is regardless of who gets elected as we start to move into October, which, you know, properties going under contract in October are the ones that are going to be, you know, closing in November. People are just like, you know what? I can hold off 30 days so I can see what is going to happen. I can see what's going to happen with the election, see who's going to get uh, put in office. Now, like I said a while ago, I don't think it matters who gets elected. Okay. I, I just, I don't think it matters. And and I'll tell you why. Um, I think that if you're in a blue county, um, then you're going to be, have more confidence if Biden gets elected and you're going to, you know, continue to move forward and really start getting back on the path. I think if you're in a red county and Trump gets elected, you're going to move forward and be have more confidence. And conversely, if you're in a red county and Biden gets elected, you're going to want to sit back and wait because that's not your candidate. You don't have faith or trust that the economy is going to continue in a matter of speaking the way it should go. So depending on the the left or right leaning county that you're in, uh, Democrat or Republic, uh, Republican, uh, is going to determine a lot as to how quickly your market changes. And I, and I hope I, I made that made sense of that. Okay. So it really has to do with consumer confidence and consumer confidence is driven by, um, a lot of it is driven by where you live and the overall thought process process of that County. So, but I think if, if mortgage rates remain near all time lows, the economy continues to recover and unemployment continues to decrease then the real estate market should remain strong, you know, at up to and well past the election. I think that's really kind of what the bottom line is. There may be a little downturn uh, for a moment, but I don't think it will be that big. And I think that's kind of a a temporary caution, temporary just hold up. We don't know what's going to happen, so let's kind of take a wait-and-see approach. But then we're going to see, and then we're going to start moving forward. Now, None of this takes into account that if the economy changes or, you know, uh, the pandemic comes surging back, you know, this when the cold weather hits, you know, I mean, none of that takes into in, that into account. So uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, kind of a little of a bit of an update of the market today. Uh, I wanted to kind of do this by myself. There was a lot of thoughts that I needed to get out. I hope I put those out to you in a very rational and sound way. I uh, look forward to seeing and uh, hearing from you guys next week. Uh, we'll get this out there posted. Love to have some be- feedback from you. Uh, check us out on our uh our uh, Facebook page, uh, Real Estate Happens. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram. I'm learning more about all these things, so it, uh, it's helping me out. I'm kind of an older guy, but it works works for me. So, guys, have a great week. Happy selling, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you very soon.